Hello and welcome to the EMG Health Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Jonathan Sakia. I've recently been exploring so-called alternative medicine on the podcast, and in today's episode, well, I'm taking a big risk. If my battered body is found floating in the River Thames, this could be the reason, because I want to disagree about a pretty big industry. But I'm not trying to be purely disagreeable, just provocative. Why? Well, today's topic is vitamins or vitamins. Stand by, I'll come on to the pronunciation in a minute. Look, anything that improves human health and well-being, or even the perception of well-being, is all fine and dandy in my book. But if something's unproven, and especially if it distracts people from doing what we know does work, then that's not all right in my book. As I contemplated this podcast, I could feel the anger that may doubtless be directed at me. I'll be accused of being a moron, a harpy, a shill for the pharmaceutical industry or money-hungry doctors. I'll doubtless be called a harbinger of the Dark Ages, America in the 1960s before other non-conventional practitioners were taken seriously. But damn the torpedoes, I'm going to deliver this message because I believe it's the right thing to do. So if I were to title this rant, I might call it three ways to maybe waste your money. What are they? First of all, folks, focus on the title before you kill me. Three ways to maybe waste your money. So let's give you three examples. Number one, go to Las Vegas or any other locale where the institutions will tell you proudly that you will get somewhere around a 95% return on your investments. You may win, maybe. Number two, pay close attention to your email as I believe you will see a fabulous offer to receive an inheritance from one of a dozen distant countries. You may be lucky. I wouldn't count on it. And number three, buy expensive and unproven vitamins, vitamins, come on to that as I said, dietary supplements, proprietary cures via the internet from late night TV ads or a common or garden grocery chemist or specialist supplement stores. What are we talking about here with vitamins, vitamins? Well, the word comes from a contraction of vital and amine. The latter are chemicals we need to survive, hence the former derived from the Latin word for life. This is one of those words that Brits and Americans argue about. West side of the Atlantic, they pronounce it with a hard eye, as in vital. In Britain, we use a soft eye, as in little. As a native of the UK, I have to concede that this is one where the Yanks have it right. It's vitamin, vital amine. However, the way they pronounce the name of that very famous British car, Jaguar, that drives me up the wall. It's Jaguar. The word vitamin was coined by Polish biochemist Casimir Funk. What a great name that is. And refers to any group of organic substances essential in small quantities to normal metabolism. They're found in minute quantities in natural foodstuffs or sometimes produced synthetically. Deficiencies of vitamins produce specific disorders. There are some key words here such as small quantities and found in natural foodstuffs. Look, first up, some people do require vitamin or other supplements such as those folks with pernicious anemia who must take extra vitamin B12 or pregnant women encouraged to take iron and extra vitamins, although there's a school of thought that this is counterproductive. And during the pandemic, the role of vitamin D has been rethought. And in fact, maybe the recommended daily input is not sufficient, especially for those with darker skin, people who live in less sunnier climes, or who do not have a vitamin D rich diet. 
To put my vitriol in perspective, I've been taking vitamin D ever since a colleague, the wonderful Dr. Pearl Grimes from Los Angeles, who's been a guest on this podcast, educated me and the first papers came out. In fact, and this is my 15 minutes of fame, I got to feature in a video that Pearl organized together with Tyler Perry, Angela Bassett, Jennifer Lewis, and Nicole Ari Parker, as well as some other medics. So evidence, hard medical evidence driving a sensible behavioral change. As always, there are no absolutes in medicine. There are some supplements out there that may prove beneficial, such as St. John's wort for depressive illness, curcumin to reduce the chance of developing colon cancer, or a given combination improving mental acuity. As always, in matters of health, there should be a discussion between doctor and patient, not advertiser and patient. The majority of vitamins and other supplements, all they do is make your urine expensive. You swallow the tablets, capsules, absorb them, and excrete that which is not needed, which turns out being most of what you just shelled out a king's ransom to buy. And anyway, you're getting them in your diet. Yes, deficiencies can cause diseases, and in those with a poor diet, malnutrition, or with cancer for which they're receiving chemotherapy, I've mentioned vitamin D, but true deficiency disease, rickets, not so much. How common are they? Well, not common at all, as it turns out. For instance, an absence of vitamin C leads to scurvy, which has not been seen around since the days people regularly said things like shiver me timbers and crossing the Atlantic took many weeks. Interestingly, the surgical art of orthopedics, which means literally straight children, came about from surgeons learning how to correct the deformities caused by rickets in kids who had poor diets in sun-starved northern Europe. Pellagra, which causes dermatitis, diarrhea, dementia, and death, is only found nowadays in people who eat an almost exclusive maize-based diet. Now, I like my sweet corn in the summer, but in this country, we get to eat other stuff that's stuffed with vitamin B3. And if you find yourself in the frozen north, cold, hungry, and come across a deceased polar bear, wrap yourself in its pelt and have yourself a nice polar bear steak, but avoid its liver. It contains enough vitamin A to kill 52 adults, and one liver would provide enough vitamin A to see you through for roughly 143 years. Remember, small amounts. The issue at stake here is quite simple. The Food and Drug Administration and other regulatory bodies, broadly speaking, have two ways of looking at pills and potions. The standard that prescription drugs must conform to requires extensive trials that take years and cost hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. If these evaluations reveal a benefit for the use of the drug, the pharmaceutical company can make very specific claims that speak to what was proven in the clinical trials, such as can reduce blood pressure in such and such circumstances or effective in reducing the fatality from such and such a cancer. The standards that vitamins and other supplements are judged by requires no clinical evaluations and contemporaneously much less robust claims can be made leading to claims such as AIDS prostate health. What does that mean, actually? It's not that I'm totally discarding that these substances may be valuable. Just that if the manufacturers truly believe in them, why not invest in the clinical trials that will allow them to make claims that are justified by science? Look, I'd love to see that science. I'd love to be able to pop up a harmless pill that prevented my prostate from ganging up on me at some point. 
For those not familiar, the Cochrane Collaboration was established in 1993 based on the premise of evidence-based medicine. It's a British headquartered gathering of expertise from across the globe, and their reviews are considered the gold standard of scientific rigour. A recent Cochrane review showed that vitamins and dietary supplements did not extend life. Similarly, an article in the highly respected Annals of Internal Medicine concluded that apart from the odd case, there was no benefit to the billions of dollars half of all Americans spend on these substances. I've also been told that people need vitamin supplements because they eat poor diets. Pause for a second. People need vitamin supplements because they eat poor diets. Isn't that astonishing? Surely the answer is change your diet and don't spend all that money on vitamins. I'm not the only one questioning this. And although there are many good people out there, ongoing investigations suggest some supplement and vitamin manufacturers sell products whose labels do not accurately describe what's in the bottle. There's a lack of quality control, you see. I fully accept that doing double-blind, randomized, controlled clinical trials is hugely expensive, and many supplement companies could never afford that. But there are other ways. What if instead of the typical FDA route to market, manufacturers make their claims but commit to gather real-world evidence in an ongoing manner while generating revenue? By the way, this is an approach that the regulatory bodies around the world are now adopting. Think about it. The first vitamin company that can show data, hard data that shows their supplement has such and such an effect, their sales will go through the roof and I will be first in line. Look, I don't mean to give offense, but I strongly feel that as doctors, we need to tell it like it is and not lazily condone our patients spending money on things that don't work or, worse still, generate false hope. Because hope is not a strategy. Data is. So, want to stop wasting money? Take the cash you would have spent on vitamins and book a trip to Las Vegas. At least you'll have some fun in the process. But that internet opportunity to get rich quick? Eh, I don't think so. Well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed my rant. Please subscribe to future weekly editions of the EMG Health Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Jonathan Sacklier. So until next time, stay safe, stay well, stay curious. Bye for now. Thank you.